We are in the middle of Mesilat Yesharim, in second Perek, talking about Zahirut. And he mentions over there, as we've been learning, about the Tahbulat, about the strategy, and the Arma, and the cunningness of our Yetzirah. So I felt it would be appropriate to learn together. I don't know how long it's going to take. Maybe we'll do it quickly. Maybe it'll take us. I don't know. I don't know. Not sure. But I think every person must learn this. I printed out papers for you. Those listening can follow along. The, this pamphlet that I made for you, just to know what you're reading, <coughs> is from a book, Havot Levavot. Havot Levavot is one of the classic sefarim in the Jewish library, written about a thousand years ago in Arabic, by Rabbeinu Bahir. Sometimes I think to myself, not sometimes, I, I always think to myself, that I don't know how it's possible to be a Jew without knowing this book. Really, after you read it, you say, what was I doing till today? It's the fundamentals of so many thoughts and ideas and the reality that we live in. So, in one of the chapters, it's called Shari Yehuda Ma'asid, where he talks about a person's focus on his actions. Towards the end of that section, it's not a chapter, it's a section. Towards the end of that section, he talks, he gives a heart-to-heart talk to every person who is reading and he goes through the different battles that all of us have with the Yetzirah. Now, in truth, the pamphlet you see in front of you is not coming from the book itself. I found a book that took the Havot Levavot and even made it shorter. And on top of that, I cut out also a lot of things that I felt we don't have enough time for. Obviously, a person who wants to learn it well should go by the Sefer and, and, and learn it. I don't think for this class I'm going to be able to go through his whole discussion. It's a long discussion. So I went ahead and I cut out what I thought would be most relevant to us. So... Therefore, don't take this as the actual book itself. It's a summary, and then a summary of the summary. And so, let's let's start to read together. He turns to us and he says, Ben Adam. When he says that, basically, he's coming to say to you, I'm going to come give you a heart-to-heart conversation. And I'm going to explain to you that this pamphlet that I just made for you here, after you will read it, you will realize 
that every person needs to have this in their pocket, always. He says, Ben Adam, it is proper for you to know. Your greatest enemy that you have in this world it's your Yetzer. It's your Yetzer. You ever hear someone say he's his own biggest enemy? So, says the Avot Levavot, that's not just for some people. That's true for everybody. That the biggest enemy in your life is yourself. Is your Yetzer. From now on, we'll just call him Yetzer. Referring to the evil inclination inside of us. The evil inclination that God created to accompany us through life. We're going to call him from now on the Yetzer. We all have enemies in life. <coughs> they are enemies who are people. People that are looking to get us. Trying to hurt us. Whether it's Unfortunately, even in our own circles, we certainly have enemies out there in the world that not only want to hurt us, but actually want to destroy us. We are definitely accustomed to living life with enemies. And comes the Chavot HaLevavot and he says, it's important for you to know that the greatest enemy you have in your life, which means that the most damage that can be caused by someone to your life is your yetzer. All the other enemies that you're worried about, don't compare in the amount of damage they could do to you than your own yetzer. Hanimsach Unlike other enemies that are outside of you, this enemy is nimsak. Nimsak means it's mixed, blended in your soul. It's within you. Which means he's mixed in your spirit. Meaning it's even part of your moods. It can affect your mood. It can make you feel great about something. It can make you feel down about something. He's in there. He's in, his presence is in your soul. And he's even mixed in your ruah and your spirit. The difference is that Kohot nafshecha means that in your in your soul, right, you have ideas that come up. You have things that you want that comes from your nefesh. That's kohot nafshecha. When we speak about your spirit, it means he's even involved 
in your moods. Not only, it's not only what you think that he's involved in. I mean, he thinks for you. When you think, and you think that you're the one thinking, it could be he's thinking. When you want something in your life, and you think it's you that wants, it could be that it's him that wants it for you. That's what it means. Nimsah, nimsah, beko'od Means the things that you think are you, you ever ask somebody, so why do you do it? Because I want to. Because I like to. So, without reading this pamphlet, so it sounds very simple and very obvious to the person, I do something because I want to. Because I like to. But today we're learning, it could be that you really don't want to. And it's not you that wants to. But you have the answer convincing you that this is what you should want. And this is what you should do. How dangerous is that? That a person actually thinks that he wants. And meanwhile, it's not him. That's what it means. The one who is mixed in kohot nafshecha. It means, nafshecha means where your wants and your desires come from. Like it says, im yesh et nafshechem. Right, what does that mean? If it's within your nefesh, it means retzonchem. If it's your desire. So he's sitting there, actually representing you in the things that you should want. And he's mixed in the mezek, like they say mezek abir. What's mezek abir? It's the weather, the mix of the weather. Mezek ruhecha means he's even able to make your mood. He can get you to feel excited. He can get you to feel depressed. He can make you feel guilty. He can make you feel accomplished. He can make you feel beloved. He is not only controlling and representing you in what you want, he is even involved in your moods. And your mood swings. He's right there. And he is your partner. You didn't ask him to be your partner. But he is already given that job. Which means he is your partner in the leadership of Hushikha. The word Hush means. Your senses. The physical senses, the spiritual senses. Which means, he tells you what you should listen to. Your ears don't just listen. Somebody has to take them somewhere to listen. He is a manhi. He's a leader. He tells you what to touch. He tells you what to look at. He tells you what to eat. He tells you, he's a manhi. At the end of the day, our body is not us. The body is the tools 
that God gave us that we could use to be able to do what we want. Right now, my mouth isn't talking to you. It's my soul that's talking to you. Using my mouth. And you're not the one listening. Your ears aren't listening. Right? You're not your ears. You are using your ears. Your soul is using your ears to listen. That means we are in control of our senses. We are in control of our physical senses. And we're even in control of our spiritual senses. And who is the leader that's directing you to which area you should use your senses? Should you eat that? Should you not eat that? Should you say that? Should you not say that? Should you hear that? Should you not hear that? Should you look at that? Should you not? This is all of life. All of life is the human using his senses to do either what's great or what's terrible or what's in between. Who is deciding how I use my senses? So I say, me, says the Hawadla White. You have a partner. Just remember, you have a partner. He's Mishtatef, he's your Shutaf. He's your partner in the leadership of your senses. So when you go somewhere, don't be so confident that you chose to go there. When you decided to look at something, don't be so confident it was you. When you said something, don't be confident that it came from you. It could be it came from your partner. You ever see a father telling his son or daughter, it wasn't you. It was your Yetzir Hara. I know that you couldn't have said such a thing. Or probably was your Yetzir Hara. So we sometimes hear such things and we say, okay, it's cute for a little kid. But that's the Emet. That's not a trying to make him feel good about himself. That's the truth. It wasn't you. It was your Yetzirah. Doesn't mean you should be excused because it was your Yetzirah. Of course, we are in control. The end of the day, we'll see about that. But that is a fact. Whenever you did something in your life that you have regrets, how many things today do you have regrets about the test? And at the time that you were doing it, it felt so right. It felt so good. You went to school and you said for sure, four years of high school for sure are given to us in order to waste our time. For sure, there is no reason to learn anything. It was so obvious that our parents just sent us there and paid all kinds of money just to babysit us and to have a good time. There's no way that I'm supposed to actually learn something. So when my rabbi spoke to me in ninth grade about certain things, for sure his words were not important. That's the way a lot of teenagers go through high school. As if their parents are spending $30,000 a year just to keep them occupied so they could try to get away. A whole system was built for humanity just to help you figure out a way to get out of it. Silly as that sounds, that's what the average teenager thinks he's doing in school. 
He's trying to figure out how much he can get out of this jail. The least he can do for survival is what makes the most sense to him. Could you imagine? A community got together, gave millions of dollars to build a school. People are working day and night to make sure the school's quality. They're hiring teachers, people leaving their children home to go teach, people paying tuition, people doing all the time, they're driving you. Your mother woke up at seven o'clock in the morning so she could drive you there. And it's obvious to this guy, after all that, that this is just a waste of time service. It for sure has no value. And the goal of this whole story, it's a game. It's a game of how little I can do, how disruptive I can be and survive at the same time. Some people, they can't survive. They go over the edge. So we look at them and say, oh, those guys, they didn't know how to have the right balance. Amnesty, they didn't know. They didn't know how to get in trouble and do nothing and stay in school. Now, as silly as that sounds, that's what we actually thought when we were teenagers. For most of us, a lot of us, for sure, thought that. That there's no value here. What's the value here? I don't know why my parents sent me this. But then you get older, and I can't say for all of us, but for a lot of us, a lot of people today regret their high school experience. A lot. For many reasons. One reason is they didn't, they could have learned so much more. And actually they realize that they get older, but it's actually enjoyable to learn it. It said, there is a joy to learn something. Whatever you're learning, it's nice to learn, but you gotta just sit down and learn. You can't enjoy learning if you don't learn. That's obvious. But if you put your effort to it, you actually enjoy learning about different subjects. Whether it's Kodesh, whether it's, I don't know, science, could be history. There's actually enjoyment in learning. There's enjoyment in accomplishing. Besides that, you could have built your tools. Today, many people, they open a Gemara, they don't understand a word. They can't read. It's so frustrating. But if you use your four years and you applied yourself in most normal schools, you would have been, you would have been able today to open a book and sit for five hours and enjoy it. But now you're handicapped because you can't open a book. Because you didn't apply yourself. People open up their sidur and they pray and they don't understand a word they're saying. Well, guess what? If you took advantage of your four years of high school, and years, I talked about high school before, person is too young to even understand. If you took four years seriously, you actually could have been praying every day and understood every word. Today, people struggle with so many things that have a handicap because they didn't take advantage. And sometimes even in the world at large, there's so many things that we become ignorant and we don't realize. Besides, during those years, our misunderstanding of social life, misunderstanding, not that social life isn't important, but we had a whole misunderstanding. We thought to be social, you have to give up your soul for other people, 
We thought you have to bow to other people. We thought you just have to yeah, kiss up to people. And we thought you have to... The, the amount of unhappy days that a teenager has in school socially is beyond comprehension. Up and down. Do they like me? They don't like me. Am I doing the right thing? Am I good at this? How am I going to get them to like me? All different strategies. And and we had a... And we developed a... A system. In order for me to succeed with... Friends and so... I got to do this. And my happiness depended on them. How they treated me. Where I should have been smarter... And realize what in my hands to do. So many things that we look back in life and we regret. We wish that we would have spent our time in a better way. We wish we would have looked better in a better way for our spouse. We wish that we would have raised our children with more wisdom. Today we look 20 years, 30 years later out. I don't know. I don't know why my kids like this. Again, kids have free choice. You could be the best parent, and they could still be like. But no question, many, many, many of us, if not all of us, could look back and say, "Ah, I regret when my children were growing up. I regret not enjoying them as much. I regret not feeling as, as, as uh, fortunate as much as I do, as I would have now. How?" How special it is, you know, when you're, when you're newly married and you have a child, you think like it's normal to have a child, but it's not normal. It's a tremendous, what a, what a gift, what a miracle. Enjoy every minute of it. And sometimes it's hard work, yes, but enjoy it, don't get frustrated. How many parents can look back at their years of raising their children and say, I wish I would have been smarter, I wish I would have been a, a better role model for my children, I wish I would have given them the right way to deal with things. I wish I would have spoken them more calmly. I wish I would have been more loving. I wish I would have showed them more ava. I wish I How many things? Endless. It's, there's no end to this. We have plenty of regrets. What's amazing is that at the time that we're regretting, if you go back to that time, we were so confident. Confident. That we are doing it right. Of course that's the way to be a parent. Of course. You're supposed to give your children everything they want. Of course you're not supposed to tell them no. Aren't you a good father? Of course you're supposed to not care about the way they honor you. Of course because you're a regular guy. You want to be their friend. You don't want to be like your father. You have to respect me. Ah, I don't need that. It seems so obvious, so right, so perfect. Of course I should take them on vacation to this place. Of course I should have this in my home so they could be babysat for hours a day. Of course they should have that toy. Of course they should go anywhere they want. It doesn't matter who they go with. It doesn't. Who cares? Follow? Of course. Today, 20 years later, you say, wait, hold on. Of course, the other way. So, so what happened? What happened is, it wasn't you. You were led. He, you had a shootout. You had, you know, the guy who was leading the show then. It wasn't even you. 
today you look 20 years later and say, what was I thinking? Why, where was the logic to this? How can it be I got married? I didn't open a, open a book to learn about marriage. How can it be I had a child? I didn't bother learning about how to raise a child. How could that be? What was I thinking? Was I thinking that I knew everything about being a father and a mother without any experience and I'm going to do a great job with my kid if I didn't learn anything? What was I thinking? Could anyone explain to me what they were thinking when they ended up with a six-pounder on their crib and they want to make him successful and know nothing about raising a child? Nothing about raising a child? What were you thinking? Answer is, you had a shootkaf, you had a partner, and his job at that point in your life is to make sure to convince you that you don't need to think. His job when you had a child was to convince you that you got this one. You ever tell someone I got this one? I got, I got this one. You got this one? What, based on what did you get this one? Could you imagine that your shutaf, your partner, was able to convince an ignorant father who knows nothing about raising a child that he's got it in the bank. Does anything sound more foolish? It's like me telling you, I think I could do your heart surgery. I think I could do it. I feel, I saw the pictures of the heart. I know how to cut cucumbers. I feel I could do this. And uh, I got this one. It's unbelievable. You, you got this? You're, in, you're, you're 13 years old, you're born mitzvah. Your mother and father said, come on, I want to tell you something. Let me explain something to you about this area in life. You know what you're thinking as a 13-year-old? What do these archaic human beings, what do they know about anything? I got it. I got this one. I know how to live life. What could they possibly tell me? It's not, by the way, it's not that you disagreed with them. You never even were willing to listen to them. From the minute they spoke, like, okay, uh, you ever see a teenager's face when a father and mother listen to them? Oh, uh, all right, go, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll give you the honor so you could talk. They don't argue with you. They never heard you. Why? Because they got this one. Going through school, I got it. I know what school's all about. As we start dating, I don't need help to know how to date. I don't need direction to know how to find the right match for me. I don't need it. I, I got this one. It's just going to come. It's going to come by itself. It's going to happen. It's going to land somewhere. And where it lands is for sure going to be the right one. What if it lands in the wrong one? What if you have no idea who's right and it'll all together? That's how we grew up in life. And by the way, this didn't end when we became adults. We just moved on to other things that we got. We still don't know anything. I got this one. I got that one. I got it. My whole life I'm spending trying to make money. That's, that's all I care about. I work months and months and months and months. I take time from my learning, time from my tefillah, time from my spirituality, time from my kid, time from so many important things. Why? Because I'm focused on one thing. I got to have so much money. Money is important. 
but it should be your life mission and your whole life is based on that? How many adults are in that mindset? And they assume that it's pashut. It's obvious. All there is in life is you should make money. That's all that matters. Of course, other things also matter. But very, very, very low on the ladder. And on and on and on. It's such a good idea for a person to look back in his life. You could learn so much from your past. When you look at yourself 20, 30 years before and say, what was I thinking? What exactly was the logic there? How did I speak that way to my wife? How did I raise my child that way? How did I disregard people who cared for me? Didn't even bother listening. How? The same question. Everyone's got to ask that question. I had a brain. I wasn't ignorant. I had a smart mind. What happened to me? Answer is, says, You have a partner in the leadership of your body and soul. Having a partner means that he can decide for you and you can be convinced that you made that decision. He says, I got this one. And you're thinking and actually believing that you got this one. If you were talking yourself, you know you got nothing. You got zero. What do you got? But if he is able to stand at the podium and say, Rabotai, talking to you and all your faculties in your body, I got this one. You actually will feel like you yourself got it. That's what it means. Which means he, this Yetzer, he has a power to rule in the most secret part of your soul, of your being, is in a, which means it's not only the external things that he has power to change. Meaning, it's not that he tells you go here or don't go here. It's not that he tells you learn, don't learn. It's more than that. He actually could actually have a ruling over the way you should feel. So is the part of you that nobody sees. The things that you love, that nobody knows that you love them. Your dreams, that nobody knows that you have. Desires. That's called sodot Mean that your deep secrets. Some of them are the dark secrets. Then you have dark secrets. Guy has dark wit. Why does he have dark secrets? Because he's got this guy with him. He's all the way with him in the darkness. He has these crazy ideas of what he wants or what he needs in his life. Nobody knows about it. Who's in there? He's there. Says the Havot Levavot. It could be that you're sleeping. I mean, you go to sleep. 
this enemy is unbelievable. Not only is he with you, not only is he with you all the time, he's with you more than you're with you. Atayashin, you're sleeping, so you are checked out. Vehu Adam, but he's up. Which means that he has no vacation. He has no break. He has no time off. You can go on a break, but he's not going on break. So simply it means he's 24-7, like Avi said, right? But it also means that you could be Yashen, meaning unaware of what's going on. I mean, you could be just this dibbish father who knows nothing. No, he's not thinking. But he's thinking. Don't think he's not thinking. Don't think he's a, just an innocent bystander who just decided to tell you to do or not to do. He is up. He knows exactly what he's doing. You could be ignorant. Yashen, sleeping. Your mind is sleeping. You're unaware. But he's not sleeping. You can make believe he doesn't exist. A person can make believe. Me, what? I have a yes or a What? Yes or That's me. That's who I am. You can ignore his presence. But he'll never ignore your presence. He will never, because it's not a relationship where he needs you to realize he's there and he gets offended if you don't think he's there. The opposite. He loves it when you're not. It's like the Mossad. If you don't know he's there, he's the happiest. When you know that he's there, it becomes dangerous for him. So he is very happy. You can make believe he's not there. But he is definitely not making believe that you're not there. Last line of this paragraph. He says he will appear to you. I mean, how does he come over to you? Does he come as an enemy? Does he come in secret and you don't even know he's there? He comes to you as your friend. Your father tells you, listen, do me a favor. It's not good for you. To be going out with those boys. He comes to you and says, Your father doesn't love you. Meaning, your father doesn't want you to enjoy life. He loves you the way he wants. He loves you in his way of life. You know, your father doesn't understand these questions. But you know, you and I both know this is so good. It's so important. He doesn't talk to you as an enemy. He doesn't say, do it. Go. I'm forcing you. It could be people who force you to do things. He doesn't force you. He comes to you. I love you. Look what your parents are trying to take away from you. They're trying to take away your freedom. They're trying to take away your free choice. They're trying to take away your pleasures. They're trying to take away your happiness. Let me show you how you could really enjoy your life. He doesn't say, I don't care what your father says. You're following what I say. I don't like that. 
He's Yadid. He's your friend. He's holding you by the hand. Ve'ohev. And he loves you. Ach. However. Lema'aseh. If you talk reality. Yoreh alecha hitze mavet. His whole life. All he's doing. Is he's raining on you missiles. His whole life. His whole existence, from the day you're born till the day you leave this world, he has missiles in his hand. And every move he makes, even when he has to give in, and even when he has to sacrifice, his mind is always on how I could land another missile on this guy. Yore Alecha is throwing you on you arrows. What kind of arrows? Not arrows of pain. Not arrows of being uncomfortable. Not arrows of failure. Arrows of death. He is not interested in giving in until you're dead. Like we said the other day, it's not that he's interested only in giving up your spirituality so you can have a great physical life. That's not his interest. His interest is your complete destruction. He will not stop till he destroys you. And take many examples in your life. Stories of Hollywood. Stories, unfortunately, in this community. Story with friends probably that you had in your upbringing. There are many, many stories you hear through your lifetime. I hope it's a story about somebody else. That's not close to you. But you hear stories all the time. And you look at the guy's life and you say, Wow, what a disaster. What kind of life that is. Most people just move on after they say that. But great people ask themselves, One second, how did they get there? What kind of human ends up in such a horrible place? Why? Intelligent people. Wealthy people. Capable people. How did they end up like that? Hitzemavet. He's got his arrows of death constantly. The arrow is always pointing to death. He may have to take it one step at a time to get you there. His goal is to uproot you from anything that is good, anything that is decent, anything that is real, anything that is eternal. That's his job. That's the first paragraph today. Introduced us that our partners, our buddy, and his ability to hold our hand and lead us through life. Remember, whenever you have a regret, even sometimes you regret what you said five minutes ago. You say, oh, why'd I say that? That was so stupid. Why'd I say that? They say, well, how did I say that? It at the time you said it, it felt like, of course, what else are you going to say? That's the right thing to say. Who was, who was that? That wasn't you. That was your manhig. <laughs> that was your leader. Making you believe this is what you should do. Be careful of the leadership within you that is taking you against you. Have a wonderful day.